one. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, John. I don't like you. You silently counted down with your fingers. I did. And the last finger you held up was not the one I expected you to hold up. <laughs> it was one, though. <laughs> it was just one finger. I just gave you one finger. <laughs> All right. I gave you the one finger. So today, on Saturday morning sales meeting, we are going to discuss how do you motivate these damn salespeople. Right. They and never do anything. They don't put their trade up. They're not writing up every customer like we asked them to. You know, it's funny. You always bring up the fact of not putting the trade up. Yeah. Was was that an issue for you? Uh, Maybe. Because I don't think I I was ever scolded for not putting my trade up. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're the top salesman, (laughs) like there's always another customer right there. So I wonder, I mean... just think about this for a minute. Would you really rather me be stocking in a trade and pulling it around to the hold lot? Or would you rather me be selling another car? See, for me, that felt like the conclusion, the completion of that sale. Yeah. Like when I, I, I loved getting the yellow tab. Did you drive it around the showroom a few times? Three or just four so times. So yeah, people yeah. Know. Beeping, flashers <laughs> on. Woo! I got another got one. <laughs> Ring the bell. Ring hey, the boss, bell. you want to cut my tie again? <laughs> they even still do that? Yeah, I saw it on uh, Facebook or LinkedIn the other day, cutting some rookies' Cutting the tie. tie. Yeah. Yeah, but now they got to give them a tie to cut. That's exactly right. Yeah. They know, they run their ties. golf shirt. Yeah. Yes. How, how, what motivated you, John? Uh, well, luckily, I just wanted to have my name and lights at the top of the board. I didn't like seeing my name in the middle. Uh, but no, I think the money obviously was a good factor. And, you know, a lot of places that I worked had, you know, some kind of performance bonus. You know, the top guy got a bonus or the most units got a bonus or the most gross. You know, I think uh, spreading some cheese around helps. Cheese, I absolutely. Um, how about in a Saturday morning sales meeting? I was in quite a few where it would be a daily bonus, right? Whoever gets three today gets an extra thousand dollar, you know, cash in fist. Yeah, the hat trick. I think a lot of places I've worked, there was just a standing bonus for the hat trick, you know, right? Which, you know. <laughs> there were a few times when people, maybe not me, maybe me, I'm not sure. I'm not going to incriminate myself. Where you would hold a deal till the next day. Because you knew. I knew one guy's coming in tomorrow. This up's pretty done today. So if I can just catch one up tomorrow and sell him a car. I got boom, my hat trick right. and my bonus. Right. Hey, work your pay plan, brother. That's it, man. Work your pay plan. Right. And you know what, man? Except for holding a deal or sandbagging, you know, nobody would want you to put off until tomorrow closing a deal. Right. But I never ran into anybody. And even as a sales manager, I didn't give anybody hell about working their pay plan, you know? Yeah. I mean, if it was a little $10 thing for getting your customers in the CRM, or we had one time it was a Google review contest. So, you know, I did enlist uh, a friend or two to, you know, go on there and give me a good Google review. But it, it fed the purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who cares? More reviews are more reviews. Right. Which I think the dealer didn't care that they were my reviews. He just wanted the dealer reviews. (laughs) And when you look at, uh, uh, you know, I mean, sandbagging, Mm -hmm. 
if the managers are involved, yeah, it's a lot harder to do that. Right, right. If they right? know what's going on yeah. with your deal, if they're just sitting in the tower and they're not getting involved in the deals of you know all the people who are moving through the sales process, then yeah, not out there squeezing palms. Right, pressing flesh. Pressing flesh. So, well, I know you did a lot of outside of the dealership kind of research, study. Uh, you're a book reader or at least audible. You yeah, I listen love to a lot books, of yeah. recorded books. Um, I do as well. Uh, motivational tapes. I know there's quite a few tape series that I still see in your uh, box O material. Bucket of training materials. Bucket of training. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously Cardone was huge. Uh, He was just getting big when I was getting started. So, and his, you know, techniques were at the time pretty revolutionary. Uh, It seems like most of the trainers were geared towards the dealer and telling the dealer what he wanted to hear. Where Cardone, I mean, that first... CD, uh, that first live, Cardone Live. Right. I mean, it was, I guess, recorded of a live event, ironically enough. And uh, I remember a line out of there, like, if you're a salesman and your sales manager isn't helping you do this, he's a deadbeat sales manager. Don't work (laughs) with him. You know, go to somebody else. Wow. Yeah. Like, I mean, basically saying you're in control of your destiny. You go out there and sell the car. If that guy doesn't want to help, do it on your own. Yeah. So that was really powerful stuff to me, you know, kind of uh, control your destiny, you know, and that goes back to some philosophical stuff, you know, are you making excuses or are you overcoming uh, obstacles? Absolutely. I love that where it really is an empowerment of the individual rather than necessarily uh, the beatings will continue until morale improves right. mentality. Right. right. I'm all for that. And I'll get a business book or a selling book or something like that. I know uh, probably the most recent occurrence was um, a book it? that I really got excited about. It was uh, Never Split the Difference. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love this is, that uh, book. Negotiation book. For it was them. a negotiation book. Actually, a guy who was in the FBI who negotiated for hostages. He was the number one hostage negotiator for the FBI and ended up doing even negotiations during, you know, after 9-11. Uh, but um, very confident yeah. person, you could tell just by his <laughs> writing. Or he actually read his book on Audible is how I yeah. first uh, was introduced to it. And after I listened to it once, I bought the book. Because I wanted the reference material and listened to it multiple times after that. But just one of those things that, you know, good, actionable stuff was written in a, a solid way and a reference back to, to stories that in his own life and, and his career as a hostage negotiator. Uh, well, so, what were some of the key points in there? I mean, if we're talking motivation, are there one or two takeaways that would be applicable for a salesperson or a sales manager today? Well, and I think just from the title, the, and that was one of the things that intrigued me about it. Never split the difference because a lot you of times... You hear that a lot in the car business. A lot, right? You get into those situations where, you know, hey, they want to be here and we're coming here and, hey, why don't we split the difference? Yeah. Right? And, you know, what is he saying? Of, that, that, that you lose credibility or... Well, What's his, his argument against that? His point was, um, and kind of the two scenarios that he gave is, one, 
as a hostage negotiator, you if they have four that. hostages, <laughs> yeah. you can't say, Give tell you two. what, kill two, <laughs> and I'll get right. two back, and we'll call it good. Right? That wasn't a, a viable option. Right. And uh, the other one I was... I shouldn't be laughing. I mean, that, it, that's it, it's right. a funny I mean, way to prove the point. Yeah. yeah. But the, the other scenario he would give was... You know, he said, if, if you want to wear your brown shoes and your wife wants you to wear black shoes, well, you wearing one do. black and one brown, that's not, yeah. I mean, that, that Somebody has to win. Yeah, yeah. No, nobody gets, you know, <clears throat> benefits from, from splitting the difference in those two scenarios. So they're not exactly apropos with the, the uh, uh, car business, but I think the, the good takeaway from that is... You don't necessarily have to go to that. It's kind of like, you know, I, we were talking about um, the stall or the objection of, I want to show it to my wife, mm-hmm. right? And I brought up the, well, let's dehorse them. Let's put them in it and go take it to, to their wife. And your response to that was, that's a last resort, yeah. right? I mean, first we well, want to try to overcome the objection. Right, we know there's something, some hang up. Yeah. Right, let's try to get to the hang up rather than necessarily go to the, hey, here are the keys, let me put you in it and go send you out to see your wife. Right. Um, I feel like it, it really gave ammunition from that perspective when you look at, let's not immediately go to, hey, we'll split the difference. Well, and also, you know, let's go, you you and I both have written articles on value versus cost, which you can find on our LinkedIn page or on our website, SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. Uh, and I think we both, I mean, I wrote mine with before I read yours. Yeah. But we both ended up saying the same thing. Right. Which is, if we have a problem where the the... The buyer thinks a car's worth twenty, and we think it's worth twenty-four. There's a reason. Let's raise him to twenty-four rather than meet him at twenty-two. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. So we and, have more work to do. Is what and, I'm saying. And and I felt like it really opened up. What are some other options before you go to that point of last resort uh, to say, well, fine, we'll split the difference. Uh, right. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we, we go to the path of least resistance. And I look at it from, yeah, split the difference is definitely a path of least resistance. And rather than take that, that easy track. Well, there's a, a line from the movie Suckers. Have you ever seen the movie Suckers? No. You have to see it. You, okay. you cannot have ever been in the car business and not seen this movie. Now, there are some negative cliches in there. I mean, it's filled with them. It... Uh, it's a very kind of raunchy, you know, look at the car business. But from what I understand, the, the writers went to like talk to real car people and said, like, tell us all the dirty stuff, you know, tell us like the the cliche, you know, tactics that you grew up learning. Uh, but one of the things in in that movie is there negoti- there's one guy who's a new salesman and he kind of gets gooder. Along the way. No, he gets better along the way. Uh, At closing a deal. Well, so he's negotiating. And it's funny. The reason he gets better is because he's about to lose his house. And he's like, I got to sell a car today. So he really gets aggressive. No better motivator than that. Yeah. So he's negotiating with a guy. And they've got the paper you know the write-up sheet well they're writing figures down and he's flipping it over and writing on the back and you know he says i'll tell you what you know i'm at 25 you're at 20 why don't you meet me somewhere in the middle and he writes down a figure which assumably is like 24 and he says all right let's just meet in the middle here sign here 
And the customer says, "That's you keep saying let's meet in the middle. That's not the middle. And he said, I didn't say exactly the middle. I'm not a mathematician. I just said somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle between 20 and 25. 24 is somewhere in the middle. Right. Oh, I'm horrible at math. Well, the, the other time, uh, that same customer, uh, he's going back and forth to the manager, right? And, and half the time, he goes to the manager's office and just is, and they're talking about a ball game or something. You know, he's like, oh, I think I got him. Yeah. You know, I, just, I just told him I had to talk to you again. So he comes back with like the third set of numbers. And the customer says, you know, you keep asking me to pay more money. He said, but your number never changes. Your number stays the same, and my number keeps getting higher. He's like, well, yeah, that's the way it works. And where's the problem? All right, so we've got, you know, we threw out some some books. How about you? What's the last uh, book that you've listened to, read, that uh, motivated you, gave you some good insight? I don't know about the last. Let's talk about the first because it's on my brain. Is um, my dad is uh, I don't know, kind of you know, an inspiration to me philosophically. He's a you know a deep thinker type of person, and he's an engineer by trade. He right? is an engineer, very logical thinking, and I guess you know even you know we've talked about religion before, and he'll just break down the logistics of why he believes in God, you know, right, and lay it out there, you know, the evidence and science, very cerebral, right. But uh, so growing up in that household, he always had you know like Dale Carnegie and even uh, the Stephen Covey, the Seven Habits, and all of this. So Dale Carnegie, one of the first books I ever read that was kind of motivational was How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I still, to this day, quote that. I've probably read it four or five times. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, little pointers like speak in terms of the other person's interest. Uh, seek first to understand, then to be understood. And the beautiful thing about that book is he doesn't lay out the principles. He tells you like... 12 stories for every point he's making. Yeah. Uh, and so I remember all these stories, you know, Abraham Lincoln uh, during the Civil War, and he's going to reprimand some general, and he writes in this long scolding letter of how this general sucks. And then uh, he gives it to his wife to mail, and she, like, sticks it in a dust drawer. <laughs> he finds it three months later. And he's like, oh, I'm so glad she didn't actually mail that letter because, you know, I could have handled that situation so differently. Yeah. Maybe we could all use uh, a, a wife or a partner like that that helps us out in those areas. Amen. And I, I love that principle of, you know, listen to understand. Mm-hmm. Most people listen to respond. Yeah, they're formulating their response. Right. So the whole time you're talking, I'm thinking, oh, well, here's my point. Here's my point. Rather than really trying to digest what it is you're saying, because, and and I think by by not using that tool, by not listening to understand, you miss the opportunity. Because they're giving you the opportunity. They'll tell you, if you'll truly listen to what they're saying, they'll tell you, here's how we need to put it to deal together. Well, I'll tell you two things on that. Number one, it's very hard for me to do, but I try, and I try to get better at that all the, all of the time. But if you can even scratch the surface of that, it makes life a little bit more enjoyable because you're actually learning about the people you're on this planet with, right? You know, and you're understanding their life story and what you know the lenses that they are looking through. Uh, but also, it's tremendously useful in closing any kind of sales deal. 
I mean, people will tell you how to sell to them. Right. If you just shut up and listen to them. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. They're going to disclose another uh, point from that the book I was referencing, oh, yeah. Never Split the Difference. Uh-huh. He talks about the black swan, right? And the story of the black swan is, you know, they used to talk about in, in England about, you know, there is no such thing as a black swan. So they would call things, a, well, that's like a black swan, doesn't exist, mm-hmm. until an explorer went to uh, Australia and found black swans. Yeah. Apparently, there are black swans. They're just very, very rare and very unique. And now the black swan became kind of the, the cliche or the term for things that we don't understand or know that are out there, but are out there. We just don't know it. So we we move forward as if they don't exist. And the black swan, he says there's a black swan in every negotiation. And that's what the other person is holding that, you know, I mean, maybe it's their, they've come across as, oh, I can, I can buy anything I want. You know, I just don't like the deal. But they really have a 450 beacon. Well, yeah, the real black swan is, boy, I, you know, I mean, I just, I couldn't go more than, you know, an extra $550 in my budget without going in the hole every month. Or, so, or something about a trade-in. or Right. Got, yeah. Or, right. That, that there's it, something there that's, uh, they're not forthcoming with. And, and by listening you're going to be able to respond to what you're listening to, to ask more questions, to hopefully allow them to divulge that black swan, right? What's really going on and doing it in a way that makes them feel comfortable in sharing rather than you like they're, you know, under the big uh, light of uh, interrogation. It's not an interrogation. It's a, you know, Hey, how can we work together to put this deal together Oh, it sounds like there might be an issue with this. Is that something that you, you know? And, and I've found a lot of times along this line and to this point, unless someone is an FBI interrogator right. or a professional poker player, if there's something on their mind in the back of their mind that they're thinking is going to be a huge impact on this deal, they want to kind of subconsciously slip it in there. Right. If they have bad credit, if they have had a repo, if they, uh, you know, can't do this for three months or, you know, whatever the deal is. Right. They're really the whole reason if, they're if in the they're dealership 10 is 10 grand upside down on their trade or is to lower their payment, right? They just yeah. really got to get out from under this 750 payment yeah. and if they could be somewhere around 500 that would make all the difference for them. But I think that's where it's valuable to be conversational. You know, let's go out there genuinely having an interest in serving a customer and and kind of meeting new people and just like I said, you know, uh, understanding the world through their eyes. Hey, it, it may educate you just to learn what these people think. Right. So just get out there on the lot and you're on a test drive or you're doing a presentation and just let them talk. Ask yeah. a few, you know, there are some great questions to ask. What are you on now? What's your payment on that? Wow. How did you get it so low? I love that. Yeah. That's yeah. a John Fru Morgan. Yeah. One of the things he always says is you, at that point, you know, you know, when he's going through doing the, the information sheet when he's mm-hmm. really just fact finding and he'll, you know, Oh, so what are you currently driving? And do you have payments on that? And if they say yes, he immediately looks, looks down at his paper and just starts writing and, and great. What are your monthly payments on that without looking up? Mm-hmm. Because they're more likely to disclose if they can't make eye contact, then 
they really have nowhere to go other than not answer the question or answer the question. So they'll typically answer the question and great. And uh, who's that finance with? Oh, fantastic. Or he'll actually ask who's it financed with first. And then he'll ask, what is your monthly payment? Mm -hmm. And at the point they tell what their monthly payment is, he drops his pen, he looks up from the paper and he says, how'd you get your payment so low? Yeah. And boy, there it comes every time they'll just disclose yeah, well, I had money down, or I had a paid-for trade, or my maybe they'll was better than, or, or my maybe they worse than. Yeah, they'll say, you know, actually, I was upside down in my previous vehicle. Yeah, or I, say, well, I, didn't, I didn't think that was a low payment. What do you mean that's low? Right. Which you're kind of subconsciously raising the payment, you know, right. uh, when they say, well, I didn't think eight fifty was low. Yeah. Really? I mean, I've seen people walk out of here with a twelve hundred dollar payment all the time. Yeah. So sure. Uh, but yeah, getting back to the topic at hand, motivation. These are just some of the books I, I like. Dale Carnegie. You liked this. Uh, you know, you don't remember his name, but it's called "Never Split the Difference." Yeah. If I heard it, I would know it. I saw a LinkedIn post this morning on uh, what is it? Who moved my cheese? Which is uh, Spencer Johnson. It was a pretty famous book, and I have actually never read that book, but I've read another one by Spencer Johnson called "The Present." which is one I love. Uh, again, I've plugged this before, but Kevin Dreyer, uh, a guy we worked with uh, in the coaching industry, uh, clued me into that book, and I've got to give a shout-out to Kevin. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Is Kevin listening? He could be right now. He could I mean, be. I hope he doesn't hear us right now as we're recording this. But the, that's a great book. I don't know. Do you have others that we could just kind of rattle off here? I like the Stephen Covey. Obviously, I like Cardone. I mean, the 10X thing is... A lot higher energy than I am. Let's put it that way. Uh, Who's Stephen Covey? No, Grant Cardone. Grant Cardone, yeah. Especially this morning. Yeah. You don't think I'm high energy this morning? Uh, no. I wouldn't call it high energy this morning. Let me see some of the other. Um... Jeffrey Gitmer, John Maxwell, Zig Ziglar. What about uh, Zig Ziglar? Oh, have you ever heard of the Little Red Book of Selling? No. That's uh, another famous one. I, that's one of the first sales books I read. And then, of course, you go to the Books a Million and look for sales books, at least you know 20 years ago when I did. And you have a lot of Zig Ziglar in there. Very motivational. Well, I don't know about that. For me, I, it was a little dry for me, but good principles in there. And another book uh, is Managed by Strengths. Have you heard of this one? I have. The gist of it is that we focus on what people are good at. Right. Instead of trying to make everybody the same, then we kind of work off what they are interested in and what they are good at. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, and, and to me, from a manager perspective, why do I want to try to force somebody, you know, a square peg into a round hole? Right. 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 I mean, if you're if they're an introvert, then maybe, you know, they're just not good at that face to face introduction. Right. Right. But if you find those things and people are going to spend time. In the things that they want enjoy doing, and typically they enjoy doing the things they're good at. Right, right. So why not highlight and help them develop the things that they're good at and how to utilize their natural abilities mm -hmm. in the process rather than try to force them to become something they're not? Well, that, that's kind of how I got into the uh, internet sales game is, uh, you know, I'd gone to school for programming and, and computer management, that kind of thing. Uh, and so when I worked at a dealership as a car salesman, I was kind of tech savvy and always looking at the the way the back end of our CRM worked and this kind of stuff. So, yeah, 
I just developed that skill because, like you said, I was good at it, and therefore I enjoyed it because right. I got a positive reward because I was successful at it. And if you're the guy who's good at it, then you're the go-to right. <laughs> for right. getting that piece done. Well, we had a, another salesman that worked for us uh, that was a good truck guy. And he just really loved trucks, and, and I mean, almost to the detriment of his own sales performance, uh, that, that you know, when, so, when somebody would come in to look for a truck, instead of landing them on a vehicle and closing them, he would want to tell them all about this truck and how the rear axle worked and, you know, how the transaxle worked and what, what this button do, does actually physically, right. you know. But you push the four wheel drive button. Let me tell you how this four wheel drive button is different from all the other four wheel drive buttons. Absolutely. But but they ended up moving him into being the fleet manager. Yeah. What a great role for him. <laughs> yeah. Right. Was, I mean, he's dealing funny. with people who are typically it's not an emotional purchase for them. Yeah. They're it's a tool. It's just something that they need in order to accomplish a task. Well, you have to figure the gro- the tongue weight and the gross vehicle weight rating right. and all this. And that's what they want to know. Is yeah. this going to meet my need? And here's how I'm going to use it. Here's what I'm going to pull. Here's how I'm going to. It's going to you know serve my purposes in my business and. You know, is this one going to work? Right. So, uh, you know, again, really playing to his strengths rather than necessarily forcing him to be more of that, you know, closer on the retail sale right. and everything else. It gave him the opportunity to just do what he did naturally. So, so movies. Yeah. We, every time that this comes up in conversation, I'm reminded of a guy named Raleigh Getting Gettings, I believe. Uh, and one of my first sales managers, and he said, John, you really want to learn the car business, you got to watch these five movies. And it was uh, Suckers, okay, Cadillac Man with Robin Williams, and, and uh, that other guy, Tim something, that was in uh, Shawshank. Yeah. Boiler Room. Oh, yeah. I forget the other two. Let's see, there was uh, Suckers, Cadillac Man, Boiler Room. Used Cars. Used Cars with Kurt Russell. With Kurt yes. Russell, yeah. And uh, one other. But then I added one to that list. Here's a great movie uh, just about dedication and persistence and the will to succeed. Rudy? No, it's called <laughs> Door to Door, and it has William H. Macy. A true story. You ought to go home and watch this with the family. They'd like it. Uh, it's a true story about a guy with, uh, I don't know, physical handicaps or, or learning disability. I think it was more physical uh, than anything to do with the brain, but... Uh, was literally a door-to-door like spice salesman or something and ended up you know doing this job for like 50 years and was the greatest salesman of all time you know one nobody ever sold more of these spices than him anyway really motivational and, and a cool movie to watch too so you've now added that to the list i've added that instead yeah. of five there are now six okay well and i like boiler room although it's not necessarily the the <laughs> Best practices. No, I don't think any of these are. Yeah, well, it's just... right. It's more to give you a, a insider perspective of what not to do. Right, right. But I, I think that whole um, the scene in Boiler Room where uh, uh, Vin Diesel is taking over a phone call. They've got a big Boiler Room of, of people just making calls to potential clients and. Mm-hmm. And he takes one who's actually interested in talking about making a purchase. And as far as, you know, to, to me, it's 
especially when you're talking about a phone room or a BDC or whatever you want to call it, a group of people who are on the phone and that's what they do. It's selling that perspective of here's what's going on in the dealership, whether it's, you know, big sale and promotion. God, we got a huge sale going on right now. It's been crazy around here, right? It's almost theatrical. You're selling an idea to the customer. Yeah. It's you're making it false. emotional. You're making right. it emotional. Yeah, but you're you're really getting them in the where they can envision people all over the place and balloons and boy, a huge well, sale just, and just yeah. like on the BBC. Yeah. Here's well, that, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Hey, come down for the huge sale? Yeah, come yeah. down for the big sale. I thought you were ta- referencing the boiler room. Well, I was because okay. he gives a... he, he a does similar a, thing? A theatrical, yeah. uh, you know, to give them an idea, right? The person he's talking to, he even stops and goes, listen, let me open my door for a second. It's been crazy around here. And then he has, you know, and, holds and the phone up and everybody starts going... And he's and not then really he, in an office. He, he's in a big room. Right. And then he cuts them off, you know, tells them all to be quiet. And he goes, yeah, you can hear him, my, you know, out You're of my... I'm excited about this. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah? That's a great movie. Yeah. But I think it's a great... This, this is why our levels are all messed up. Yeah, I do. I, I know. I I get excited about stuff, and I can't help it. If they could see me right now, the people listening to the podcast... Your arms. My arms are moving. I'm half standing. You're, you're breaking a I'm sweat. leaning over the microphone. Boy, I'm ready to come across the table. Yeah, but yeah, hey, man, I'm a passionate guy. You are. That's, You're a very passionate. That's what I do. I, you know, when I get on something that I believe strongly in or feel passionately about, boiler room is one of those things. You're not gonna, you're not gonna question whether Ray really feels strong about that. (laughs) So what does that say about our other 48 podcast when you weren't acting like this? I think there are those. There are times in most of our. 48 podcast that, that you I, get excited? I got excited. Yeah. Okay. My, well, you even mentioned it. Did I? That's why our levels are bad because I get excited about stuff during our podcast. And then, just, you know, Hey, it's like we've talked about before. Consistency, Ray. I'm consistently passionate. <laughs> I just have to if, find the thing I'm passionate about. If you could just always talk in the same volume and tone and stop getting lower and louder does you know this, that's funny. Would this be entertaining? Not at all. No. In fact, yeah, you've you've crossed over <laughs> to creepy. <laughs> wait, wait, I've got one. <laughs> Chapter forty-two, War and Peace. <laughs> in in the morning, wait, that was going to tell you. Yeah, we're cutting that out. We're cutting really? all that out. <laughs> all right, ready, go. Let's start over. Wait, I've got it right. I've got uh, it. Uh, not again. <laughs> I mean, God, we're at 34 minutes. Are we? So, yeah. But right, well, we, this... we, did, we did have a big break there while we were trying to remember some of the uh, well, what is references. The, what is the... Uh... Well, let's recap. Yeah, what's the purpose of our podcast today, right? Uh, there are a number of different avenues you can take in order to motivate yourself. It doesn't matter what business you're in, but specifically in the car business, whether it's watch movies that give you that insider's view or, or give you some... Uh, some things to adapt or to stay away from um, books that help you in your processes and, and uh, abilities. What, what about, you know, you're talking about self-motivation and things that people can do to, to educate themselves and get better at their craft. If they really view uh, the automotive industry as their career and not just a job that they're going to do for a couple of years, right. then I would think, you know, take a personal interest in that and you'd want to get better. 
but what can a leader do for their team to kind of help them stay on track and help them learn and, and educate themselves? So I saw on LinkedIn the other day that uh, one of my connections was starting a automotive book club. And he basically said, whoever wants to get in on this, you know, here's our first book. And he even laid out a schedule over like the next eight weeks yeah. that they're going to have a weekly meeting to discuss, you know, they're going to break this book up into eight sections. Yeah. A uh, client I have in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, um, just outside Salt Lake, the general manager of this dealership, mm-hmm. he had a book like, I can't remember the last one he was doing, um, but they would be similar to the never split the difference Mm -hmm. and he went through with his managers and when his managers would meet together he would they would all read a chapter before the meeting Mm -hmm. and they would sit there and just you kind of go around they're having a meeting anyway they would take a few minutes to discuss one of the meetings a week and they would each kind of talk about what inspired them from that chapter (laughs) of the book for that week which i think your mileage may vary depending on how it's put out there you know is this a homework assignment that everybody's gonna loathe or do you make it fun and enjoyable and uh you know well i I think if if you there's nothing that's going to motivate you more than knowing that you're going to have to sit in a meeting with your peers and your boss and be able to discuss that week's chapter and whether it's by force or by choice hopefully if he's choosing books well they will walk away with something. Well, a dealer of mine up in, it's a group actually, they have on their wall a Dave Anderson quote, which I wasn't familiar with Dave Anderson. I think I'd actually read some of his stuff, but didn't recognize the name. But it says, uh, if you are as good as you are going to get, you can't work here. Right. And I think their whole organization had that philosophy. I mean, anytime I was in a uh, meeting, I mean, we did virtual meetings a lot just because we were so spread out. I mean, they had dealers in in Lima, Ohio, all the way up toward Detroit. I mean, they would kind of battle, you know, over little process changes and things like that. They would hash it out. But generally they were very open and supportive of their team members getting better i think that's just a culture thing it is from the top down i was just going to say that it really is a dealership culture that's going to promote that more than anything so if you have a culture where the expectation is you're going to improve you are going to Mm -hmm. seek out those things that are going to make you better whether it's iron against iron kind of uh, growth Mm -hmm. whereas we're just challenging each other to be better uh, one-on-one or whether it's outside influences and resources like books or movies or youtube even going to events yeah Yeah. or youtube yeah that's a good i mean we are we are inundated with opportunities to to get better and and i think for the most part you may have some uh hangers on that will never want to be in that culture but but they'll hang on until you let them go but i would say for the most part the people who aren't attracted to that type of culture and just want to fly under the radar and collect their paycheck and do things their way i think they're going to move on by themselves oh, yeah. because they don't like you know constantly being you know drug into this culture and and 
to be part of a motivating, uplifting team like that. Right. And I would think that people who are drawn to this industry mm-hmm. are typically those that go getters. Yeah, just or or they want to be the best. Yeah. Right. I mean, they're they're internally motivated by achievement and success, whether it's monetary or recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, but yeah, those who would prefer to be in a, you know, I show up and bake the donuts right. every day. They're, they're going to find their way on Do you bake to, donuts or do you fry donuts? No, I guess you do fry them. <laughs> I have to pick apart your logic just, you know, to keep you real just because well, I'm know. a jerk. Well, I, I'm thinking of, you know, when typically a bakery yeah. has donuts. That's weird, isn't it? A bakery has donuts that they fry. Right. But it's still dough, right? <laughs> Bakers make dough. That's why that bakeries and car dealerships, man, it's all about the dough. <laughs> it's all about the dough. Well, and with that, that music means we once again are at the end of another episode. Of Saturday Morning Sales Meeting? Yes, and we thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it. Hey, Ray, I'd like to add here at the end, we are uh, interested in making this podcast better as, you know, we're discussing, do you want to get better? Yeah. So if anybody has suggestions, I mean, you can email us at uh, info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. Go on our website. There's a comment form or email me. Uh, We also, we've been reaching out to a few folks about either being a guest on their podcast or collaborating on articles. But we also, uh, you know, there's a couple of people we've reached out about being a guest. Yeah, and we should have a few of those before the end of this week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, again, thank you for listening. And <laughs> we, we hope you'll join us again. Couldn't have said it better myself. If you enjoy the podcast, you can go to SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com where you can listen to additional episodes, read articles, and learn more about John and Ray. We also cover topics such as automotive sales and service, best practices, training, and techniques that you can put in place today to sell more vehicles and write more ROs. Or gain more dollars per RO. To register for a total dealership assessment, you can visit the website for more information or simply send an email to info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. What's that email address again? It's info, Ray, at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. It's info, Ray, at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com? No, Ray, it's just info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. So just info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. You've got it. Great.